You're listening to Firsts, a podcast about first-time medical experiences. My name is Tino Della Merced, and I am a medical student. I was sitting in the airport reading about two med students who responded to a medical emergency on a plane. A passenger on their flight had fallen over, and the med students discovered that she had a low blood sugar. They gave her some juice and some food, and, well, she felt better. I was boarding this long flight from the East Coast to the West, and I thought to myself, what if a medical emergency happened on my flight? Would I have answered the call? Would I be calm and collected? What would I have done? Today, we'll hear a story from a doctor. My name is Dr. Laurie Garabedian. About an emergency on a plane. Our flight's destination is in a state that's in the top five for having the oldest median age. This state spends the second most money on Medicare, and it's home to several retirement communities. We're taking a trip to Florida. I was just in the terminal, I was traveling by myself, and I'm sitting down and I'm just sort of looking around. You know, everyone else there was also just older, so much so that I had texted a friend of mine, haha, if there was ever a time on an airplane where I needed to, like, medically assist someone, today's the day. If she sent me that text, I would have told her, I'm not superstitious, but I think you just jinxed yourself. So we board the plane like normal, sit down, and we just take off. Normal flight, nothing exciting's going on. At some point, I doze off. I have no idea when. I don't know how long we've been in the air for. I wake up to that, like, crackly sound of an intercom. Um, and over the intercom, the flight attendant says, if there are any doctors, nurses, EMTs, paramedics available on board, hit your call light. So I kind of take a second and like wake myself up, look around because I'm hoping someone else is going to hit their call light and that I'm not going to be the only one on the plane. But no one does. I have my head, I'm sitting on the aisle seat, so I have my head like down the aisle looking up and down. Finally, I'm just like, oh, I guess it's me. Take a deep breath and hit the call light. The flight attendant starts walking back to come and see who hit the call light. And there was actually a guy like three or four seats behind me who was getting something out from the overhead bin. And she was like, oh, sir, are you the doctor? And he was like, no. I kind of raised my hand and I tell her that it's me. And like, I, I understand the confusion. I had sweatpants on. I had like my hair in a messy bun. And I actually did have the urge to tell her like I'm a family medicine doctor and I just finished my residency a couple of years ago and I've worked in an ICU and an ER like as if I'm trying to justify like the fact that I'm I can take care of this person when literally no one else on the plane has medical training. So she came back to meet me at my seat and then at that point she brought me up to see the patient, the passenger. She on her way up there said, "We have an older lady that I think maybe has had a stroke." Okay. So you're a fourth year medical student. What do you do when you suspect that someone has had a stroke? 
I would get IV access, different types of imaging, get a CT. Broaded ultrasound, CTA, brain and neck. Identify if the person is within a window for certain interventions like TPA. Or you can do mechanical thrombolysis. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. You can do like blood work, an LDL, hemoglobin A1C. Coagulation status, blood glucose. I don't know what else do you want me to... Okay, so same situation, but there's a small difference. What do you do when someone might be having a stroke on an airplane? Uh, um, airplane. Honestly, I have no idea. So, faced with that very situation, Dr. Garabedian goes to meet the passenger. I'm sort of kneeling in front of her, and I try to catch her attention. I kind of yell her name out to her and see if she'll respond to me, and she doesn't. And her daughter is sitting next to her, and her daughter says to me... She, she was, was talking, talking to me, and then all of a sudden, she slumped over to her right. And I was like, okay, how long ago was this? And she was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe a, a few, few seconds. seconds before they made an announcement. Which at that point, I have no idea how much time has gone by. I'm guessing like a minute or two, but it feels like six hours. And so I ask her, which is what her medical history is. She takes medications for high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Otherwise, she's been okay. Then Dr. Garabedian examines the patient. Her right arm was kind of like draped over the armrest and her right leg was kind of splayed out to the side and she definitely had a facial droop on the right side. So I was like, okay, this is, this is gonna be a problem. While Dr. Garabedian meets the passenger, in the background, a flight attendant retrieves the medical kit on board. Then that flight attendant uses the satellite phone on the plane to call a doctor on the ground who can assist with the emergency. As this is all going on, Dr. Garabedian realizes how prepared the cabin crew is. I am very curious how much like they are actually trained in in-flight emergencies as well, because I have a feeling that the flight attendant knew more than she let on that she knew maybe, because she was kind of always one step ahead of me, which was interesting. And she was also cool as a cucumber, like really calm. I also was curious about their training, so I reached out to Joyce LeBeaton, a retired flight attendant formerly based in Hong Kong. Yes, every 10 months we go back to safety training school. They teach us a little bit about everything. Emergency childbirth, how to uh, do all the basic things of first aid, choking, heart attack, strokes, bleeding, wound dressing, all sorts of things. Joyce told me that in the event that there are no doctors or nurses or paramedics on the plane, she even has administered medication herself. We were told to give morphine, so I did an intramuscular injection. She told me of another emergency that happened seconds before a flight took off. She was pale and she, was, she had a cold, clammy perspiration. A passenger suddenly had this pain in her belly and the airplane was moving toward the runway, so Joyce called the captain. I'm afraid this is appendicitis, and if it's appendicitis, a lot of things could happen in the next 12 hours. Instead of embarking on their long flight across oceans, she asked to stop the plane to have the passenger examined. So they stopped, paramedics boarded, and they actually took the patient to the hospital. If I hesitated to make that decision, to make the call, then we would have to take off and then we would have to dump all the fuel in the Pacific Ocean. Because all the unused fuel in the tank would have made the plane's landing weight too heavy. And then fly back to Vancouver. 
experienced cabin crew can make timely and critical decisions the way Joyce did. They are safety agents in the aircraft primarily. I also spoke with Dr. Paulo Alves, the global medical director of Medair, an international company that provides medical and safety services for airlines. So they are trained to deal with, you know, how to extinguish a fire on board, how to command a, an emergency evacuation, how to control an unruly disruptive uh, passenger, sometimes an aggressive passengers, and medical events. The company Medair also organizes the on-the-ground doctors who assist with in-flight emergencies. The setup, in a nutshell, is that we are actually outsourced to practicing ER doctors, that we added a layer of aviation medicine into their training. In our story, that is the kind of doctor the flight attendant would have called up using the plane's satellite phone. But of course, while the cabin crew in the air and a medical team on the ground can respond to in-flight emergencies. Having a, someone to help is always a big relief, a big relief. And of course, having someone in person, it's apparently much better than having someone over the radio. And uh, we are extremely grateful to whoever volunteer in flight. As the plane continues its path to the south, a flight attendant hands Dr. Garabedian the medical kit. The next most important thing to do is just figure out what my tools were, like what did I even have available to me? So I start looking through the bag. There was Tylenol and ibuprofen and... Fluids like saline and dextrose, plus the tools to give those fluids. An inhaler. A defibrillator and tools for CPR, which the flight attendants are trained to use. Band-aids. A blood pressure cuff. And a stethoscope. And other medications like aspirin. Atropine. Nitroglycerin and antihistamines. At least in the United States, the medical kit is regulated by the Federal Aviation Administration. So you can expect American flights to have at least those items. But to be honest, it's not a lot to work with. The best equipped aircraft will be probably less equipped than a bad hospital. Dr. Garabedian realizes she can use some of the tools in the med kit to take a blood pressure, but for this passenger who might have had a stroke, there wasn't much else she could do. It's also really hard to hear a blood pressure on an airplane because there's a lot of background noise and they give you one of those like plastic stethoscopes. Meanwhile, the flight attendant phones in the emergency doctor. And he kind of asked me to sort of give him a history of what's going on and a little bit about the patient. He asks if the passenger was being given any oxygen. Which I had not, because I did not know I had access to an oxygen tank. So a flight attendant grabs the tank and sets it up. The next thing he says to me is, Okay, listen to me. Do you think we need to land the plane? Yeah, I think so. I think she's having a stroke and I think she needs to be in an ER within an hour. Okay, just let the pilot know. <laughs> I have to tell the pilot, okay. During a medical emergency on a plane, here's how they figure out whether they need to change the course of a flight and land sooner. It's also known as diverting the flight, first of all. If the situation is truly life-threatening or limb-threatening or organ-threatening, this is, generically speaking, the indications for us to recommend a landing. But a medical team or volunteer has probably zero idea when it's okay to land. An emergency landing is always a safety concern as well. 
where the benefit of one is actually impacting in the safety of probably 300 other people in that aircraft. A medical team can recommend for the flight to land, but they don't have any actual power in making that decision. So if a doctor suggests to land as soon and safe as possible. We will engage also a vital element that is called ops control or dispatchers. They take care of the flight's logistics, like what weather will they encounter? What are the conditions at their destination? How much fuel does the plane need? But generally speaking, the pilot has the final say because he's the one really in charge of the whole thing. So the pilot, the dispatchers, and the medical team all have a conference call to decide whether the flight needs to be diverted. I talk to the pilot and I tell him what's going on and that I've talked to the ground duck and that we are probably in agreement that we need to land the plane and get her to the ER. And the pilot says, We'll be on the ground in 20 minutes. So this is your captain speaking. A passenger on our flight needs emergency medical attention, so we're going to be landing soon and then resuming our flight from there. Sorry for any delay or inconvenience this may cause. I realized I had just made this decision for like everyone on the flight and that like people had connecting flights or whatever, like I just screwed this up for all of them. So it was a lot of pressure in that way. Interestingly, like as soon as they made the announcement, there was this roar of like voices. It was just very strange. It was a very surreal moment to be standing there and just like listening to all of this. As they prepare to land, the emergency physician tells Dr. Garabedian to take some of the patient's vital signs, like her blood pressure, her breathing rate, and her pulse. Every five minutes. She finds that the passenger's vital signs are okay, but... She's still not alert. Her arms and arm and leg are still weak on the right side. So I'm like, okay, well, we're still having a stroke here. As she measures the passenger's pulse, she can feel her own heartbeat getting faster. Is it more than one a second? Yeah, it is. I feel like mine was like 120 and they gave me like coffee, which I did not need because I was like adrenaline was super high. And then 10 minutes before landing, something completely unexpected happens. At that point, I was actually sitting behind her, kneeling kind of behind her. And so what I saw from my like my vantage point was that her arms and legs just sort of flailed up into the air and like i got the sense that she because her head went up too that she like kind of lifted from the seat a little bit and i've never seen that before and i honestly didn't really know what to expect when i sat back in front of her if she was just going to be fine or was she having a seizure or did something else you know, something more drastic occur. Yeah, I, I was pretty shocked. When she ended up being, you know, talking to me and, and being able to move her, her arm and her face look, was back to normal, um, I was very relieved. But had that not been the case, like, I, I don't honestly know what I would have done. So the passenger's sudden recovery actually has a name. When someone gets stroke-like symptoms for a short period of time, like less than 24 hours, it's called a transient ischemic attack, or a TIA. Most TIAs, like the one that Dr. Garabedian saw, resolve in about 10 minutes. It's still technically an emergency, though, because you want to make sure that the patient did not actually have a stroke. 
So when she first woke up, she she was kind of like, who are you? Why are you kneeling in front of me? What's what's going on? I mean, I had to like introduce myself to her and explain the whole thing and, and whatnot. Within like seconds after that, the ground dock calls me back. And she tells him, hey, the passenger looks a lot better, maybe even close to normal. At which time he said to me, and I was not expecting this. Okay, great. Then you can continue on to Florida. I'm sorry, what? Dr. Garabedian disagrees with the other doctor's recommendation. She wants the passenger to be properly evaluated in a hospital as soon as possible. So they talk to the pilot who casts the tie-breaking vote. I got outruled or outvoted or whatever. And he decides that they will keep going to Florida. Were you concerned at all about, like, am I legally responsible for this person? I wasn't worried necessarily about being legally responsible for her, because, again, there was literally no one else in the plane who had any medical training, so... I'm not aware of any case that a doctor has lost working as a volunteer. The Aviation Medical Assistance Act of 1998 is basically a good Samaritan law. It protects medical providers like Dr. Garabedian if they volunteer to help during an emergency. There is some controversy, though, over whether people should accept gifts for volunteering, but Dr. Alves told me you can accept a gift, like a bottle of champagne or a flight voucher, as long as you make it clear that your act is volunteer and that the gift isn't compensation for your services. Because this is what will uh, afford you protection under the, the Samaritan law. Thankfully, under Dr. Garabedian's watchful eye, the rest of the flight is uneventful. The flight attendant, she was also cool as a cucumber, like really calm. What about you? Internally, I was not calm. Um, I think um, I think you learn as a physician to be calm on the outside and kind of put out that like layer of confidence and sort of like, I, you know, you do know what you're doing. I distinctly remember my hands shaking while I was trying to like open up that bag the first time. So I was not feeling super calm. Eventually, safe and sound, they land in Florida. The good news is when there's an emergency on your plane, you get to be the first one taxied right to the right to like the terminal. And so uh, EMTs met us on the tarmac as soon as we landed. The passenger was scooped up, placed on a stretcher, and escorted with her family off the plane and to the hospital. And the family actually emailed the airline a couple of days later to like get me an email just to say like thank you and to let me know that she was fine. So like ultimate outcome also is that she you know, went to the ER and everything was checked out and she did okay there too. Before we got off the plane, the flight attendant had asked for everyone to give me a round of applause. They had me meet the pilot who just like thanked me for my service or whatever and I was like thank you for flying us safely and all that good stuff I don't, like I kind of feel like in the same way that that's his job is to take off and land and fly people in the plane like I don't necessarily expect people to thank me to for doing my actual job um, although I guess I technically wasn't at work yeah it was it was voluntary and someone actually offered to drive me from the airport to my hotel which was 
I guess, worth it. <laughs> if you remember from the beginning of the episode, Dr. Garabedian had texted a friend before the flight. If there was any day that I would have to respond to an emergency, it would be today. I called him when I got off the plane. I was kind of like, uh, so remember that text I sent you? He said that was karma, so lesson learned. So my flight's getting ready to take off, but I want to say this before I go. If you're a healthcare worker on a plane and a medical emergency arises, take a breath and answer the call. You'll be the much needed eyes and ears of the medical team on the ground, and you'll have a well-trained cabin crew to help you too. Oh, and if you're a med student, hit your call light. They just might need you too. That was First Response, in-flight medical emergencies. Thank you to Dr. Lori Garabedian for sharing her story. Thank you as well to Dr. Paolo Alves and Joyce Labeaton for their interviews. Thank you to Jose Perez, Eric Handy, Lindsay Paleka, Connie G, and Danielle Chauvet for helping me with this episode. Thanks as well to Jackson Cantrell and WBRU for letting me use their studio. Music is from Blue Dot Sessions. You heard the voices of a few people standing in as actors for this story. A lot of those voices have been in prior episodes. If you can name those voices, follow and direct message our Instagram page at firstspod for a prize. And check out a full list of resources and credits on our website at firsts.site. My name is Tino Della Merced. You've been listening to Firsts. Firsts.